Just before we start the pod this week, I just want to give you a quick nudge uh, to say subscribe to our YouTube channel and on your podcast provider. Uh, that helps us get found by other Borough fans and also keeps you up to date with all of our content we're pushing this season. So we've got transfer news, previews, news uh, and all sorts. But also we've got a Patreon account this season. So make sure you subscribe to that as well. Um, that helps support us as a podcast. It helps us unlock everything that we want to do this season. But for now... In this podcast, we chat about the pre-season victory against Marseille, the future of Marcus Tavernier, and we give our season predictions. This is the Borough Breakdown Podcast, and this is our Borough Match Day Chatter in a pod. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Board Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom, all the three Danas if you're watching us on <laughs> YouTube. Uh, we're the Bora Podcast that gives you all of your boring match day chatter in a podcast. But before we get to our preview and predictions on our preview show, we've got a game to discuss. Uh, with Middlesbrough beating Master, two goals to nil at the Riverside on Friday night. From Goals from Isaiah Jones and Marcus Tavernier in front of 12,000 at the Riverside. Uh, guys, I want you to describe how you're feeling uh, about the game and the upcoming season in as many words as you want. Dana, do you want to go first? Yeah, just really excited. I can't believe that it's come around this quickly because I swear it was only two weeks ago that I was in Preston in that packed red away end watching Borough completely capitulate the final day of the season. So it's weird that it's um, it's come around this quickly, but I'm really excited. I think there's a lot to be uh, positive about this season I know that we're recording this and unfortunately Borough still don't have any more strikers but even with that there's a lot to be excited about so yeah I think the key word is just excited okay excited for Dana uh Tom or Dana Maltinez uh how are you feeling about today's uh how are you feeling in as many words as you want yeah, I think quietly confident. I don't want to go too over the top with that, um, just because like uh, you know it was a friendly match. Don't want to read too much into that. Uh, but we played well. Uh, you know, there was some fantastic one-touch football uh, through that match, which you know we didn't see as much of last season. But it does seem like it's been a focal point of pre-season. But also, when you look at our our defensive line now, and uh, you know, having Stefan and goal. That just looks so strong to me now, um, and you know having that as a as a base for the team, uh, keeping the same midfield. And unfortunately, like Dennis said, we still don't have any strikers. But uh, you know, we we changed the system to adapt on that night, and it it still worked fairly well. Um, you know, we we obviously do still need to improve because we've got absolutely nothing in depth. But I think we've got a strong, solid squad this season, which you know it. it it didn't look like uh, last season. I think after the first few games, the the defence was still looking a bit leaky. It does look much stronger now. Yeah, it does. Uh, and I think with, with Lanahan coming in, you could he was the only voice you could probably hear at the Riverside uh, throughout that entire game. Uh, but in terms of like my words to, to describe how I'm feeling, I think it, it is what it is to, to quote Tony Mowbray. I think we've got 14 <laughs> players at the moment Yes, we've got plenty of signings to, to make and Middlesbrough going at the start of the season with a very, very th- thin squad. But of course, that can change. But we do have eight games in August to try and get it right or get the players in and try and integrate them and get things going. But let's have a quick look at the Marseille game then because I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on it because it was just a pre-season game. And I think it's hard to fully assess where we'll be coming into the season just based on that performance, although it was good. Um, but then how would you assess the performance in general? There were a lot of good signs. I thought the first half was a little bit dull from both sides. And I mean, my halftime entertainment was seeing how much the Marseille fans were in complete despair about Milik's performance up front. But the second half was was much better. I thought Stefan was good. Um, I'm not going to go too big on him because I don't want to, to be honest. Um, we We will see how he kind of 
plays when the season grows and develops he will probably develop with it but he, he did look good playing that sweeper keeper role really well uh, Lenahan looks like a really solid pickup and I thought both goals were great and just as a sort of side point as well I really like the way that Riley McGree plays football I described it in a pre-season preview piece with the Tilehurst end as him being a gentle breeze gliding across the pitch. There's just an air of tranquility whenever he's on the ball because I think he's just so comfortable in it. I think it's those low socks, to be honest. But I think there could be a good season from Riley McGree. Um, yeah, there were a lot of positive signs. A lot of signs where you think, OK, yeah, we need more strength in, in depth and in quality, especially up front. But lots to be excited about. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you with Riley McGree. I think he's he's just elegant on the pitch is probably the best way to say it. Uh, I think he was, he's a really, really good addition from us in, in the January window. And I think he could have a massive season for us as well. Uh, but Tom, Dana already alluded to it, but two really well-worked goals. Good combination play, which we've seen throughout the pre-season. Um, can you see any more adjustments uh, in on last season in terms of style? Because it looks, it looks like Chris Wilder has definitely had time on the training ground to put things right. Yeah, I touched on it earlier, but the um, the increase in the amount of like one-touch football that we're seeing and uh, there's been a good increase in movement as well. I think the first goal kind of really summed that up because it was, it was good one-touch football between Jones, Crooks, and I think there was someone else there as well. Uh, well I can't remember. What more? Possib- yeah. Possibly, yeah. Uh, and to, to release Jones in the first place, but that movement down the right-hand side was absolutely quality. Um, and, and we saw it again, uh, well, uh, over parts on the pitch as well. Um, another adjustment, we actually have a left-hand side now, and it was obvious <laughs> that we were we were trying to use that. Um, tell you what, I do think, um, you know, Baller might be sticking around and covering the left-wing back and left-centre-back position. Uh, maybe even to start off the season with, but I think he'll be kind of like a depth option in both those positions this season. But it, it was good seeing that balance when you have a left footer at the left centre back position and what that can do uh, kind of unlocking Giles on the left hand side so that was really good to see and like, like I said about um, Lenahan uh, at the back line earlier as well it was just it looked so strong Lenahan as you said never stopped talking through the entire thing there was never a point where he had the ball at his feet where I felt uncomfortable uh, mm. and you know it, it's maybe It'd be unfair to kind of say that about some of our defence last season, but I felt more comfortable than than those points. Um, I think, you know, in terms of recycling possession at the back um, and, and, you know, keeping the ball on the floor, he was doing that extremely well. Um, and, and then, obviously, the, the, the big change in goal as well is having a goalkeeper who can distribute so well um from from what we saw from from Stefan. Uh say it's it's one one game we're basing this on, so don't want to kind of go into that too much because you know things could change when we're in the, the championship and there's like a lot more in terms of pressure. But we definitely saw the ability there from from Stefan and hopefully you see more of that this season. Yeah, his distribution was really, really good, wasn't it? Um, I, I thought he was able to pick out players a lot more uh, comfortably than we've ever, we've ever seen, probably from a goalkeeper player for Millsborough. And in terms of like performances, goal it was relatively quite steady. Uh, but in ter- I know you were saying there, Tom Brown, uh, Dara Lenahan, and you you became a Lena fan in the last podcast. Are you now more of like a Giles guy as well? Because I mean, we have got a left hand side as well. I'll probably be more of a Giles guy when I've seen uh, a few more assists in person. Fair enough. I mean, he did get those free at Morecambe, but I wasn't there to to be there and appreciate that in person. But you can see exactly what he what he brings to the team. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how him and Jones crack on in terms of assists this season from from both sides. Like I said, having that balance. Um, but Lenahan. Yeah, very very impressed with with him and you know the the organisational skills at the back. I do get carried away sometimes watching our defensive sides and and just kind of really appreciating it. I think it kind of really goes back to to the first time I saw Woodgate play for us. I was just like, wow, that actually got me thinking. You know, defence isn't a bad position because to me before that it was all just the only interesting battle like wingers and strikers. But you can really appreciate what what good defenders do and. Yeah, I think having that organisational side that Lenahan brings and, and being able to, to help the other two in the back three is going to really benefit us this season and be good to watch as well. 
Mills will get beat 5 0 against West Brom. Uh, defensive errors galore. Uh, thanks to nah, Steve Bruce is managing him, so it's not going to happen. It's got to roll the sleeves up. Um, roll the sleeves up and just try our hardest and might get a result. But Dana, I want to hear your thoughts on Mark Bowler. Tom alluded to it, um, saying that he could potentially stick around. But I want to know, understand, like, how you're feeling about Mark Bowler's position because, yeah, he did play in that left centre back role on, on Friday night. But couldn't you actually see him here by the end of the transfer window? Do you think he does have a future at the club? I think he does have a future at the club. I don't think he will be a mainstay as a starter because I kind of see a similar situation with Chubrak Pom in that he's really only here and in the team playing and starting because we don't have another left centre-back. But I thought he did okay. Um he looked like a defender playing in a different defensive position. There were some shaky bits, but you know some good bits as well. He made a really good uh, last ditch interception um, in the second half from uh, back back. <laughs> this is the power I can't read my notes. Bakambu, there we go. Um, and I really enjoyed that at the time. I do remember really enjoying that at the time. So I don't know. I think when Matt Bowler, we did mention it last season, didn't we? That he could play left centre-back and it's definitely an option. And it's good that we've got him there because he can cover left wing-back uh, and he can cover left centre-back as well. But I think that ideal world, Borough will probably want another left centre-back uh, to play there and then we'll see where Matt Bowler is. It's going to be an interesting season for him because I think this is probably the first one he's gone into for a while now where you're thinking, OK, he's not the first choice. Yeah, he isn't the first choice. Uh, I, I would agree. Then, like the interception he made uh, was really good against Bakambu. But then also, what I did like um, was his ability to get forward and overlap. Um, there was a moment in the second half where Borough on the break, Ryan Giles had the ball, and just Mac Bowler came from absolute nowhere and just overlapped him just to try and create that bit of space where you get the ball across. Um, and I thought it was really good, and it could give us a different dimension and options on uh, if we want to really <laughs> utilise him there. Um, but if if not, then that's that's totally cool, and we should probably look to to bring in someone who is probably more suited to that role. But he hasn't done a bad job there. Uh, but then again, it was a preseason; things again, just people again up to speed, and we might we might see another change probably come uh, come Saturday. But let's have a quick chat about Tuba Rackpom because you could say he was a Tuba Backpom because um, he played uh, on Friday night. Um, it's a difficult place to be in really for Tuba Rackpom, isn't it? Because realistically, he's probably gone uh, in, in the summer um, before like the end of, end of September. But is there a way he could force his way in uh, Wilder's plans, Tom? I don't think so, um, and it's just kind of based on on what Wilder's said. It's been mutually beneficial, really, for for him to be playing in that game. He he has offered us, um, you know, some some depth in the striker uh, position, which we don't have a lot of. Personally, I'd have preferred it to be Uche, but you know, love Uche. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't think he will, but I think. You know, there's been articles floating around the last couple of days saying if if we're we're still in the same position depth wise by West Brom, he might make the bench there. I think he'll probably carry on making the bench until we get other options in, and then um, or, or you know an offer comes in for him, and maybe Corbin is is the only attacking option, or you know we give a number to Kavanaugh or something like that. But I think at the moment it's just mutually beneficial to to both sides for for him to be there. Dana on the same page as Tom. Yeah, I feel like he's there because we just haven't brought in another striker, and I think the reason why he's there and Anuche isn't is because Aquan probably fits the system and the style a little bit more. That well, probably much more actually than Ikpiazu does. But I can't really see him being a part of the team next season. Chris Wilder seemed to make it clear that he's not part of his plans, but he's kind of had to kind of scale that back a little bit because of the fact that we just don't have a striker in and the season starts in six days when we're recording this so yeah I think it's just an option a, a sort of standing option for now yeah and I must admit though I thought he, he did play quite well uh, in, in the game to be honest I thought he held the ball up well had some good touches going behind when we need him to and there was also a moment in, this, in the second half where the ball came across and he just touched it down lovely for Giles uh, to have a strike and Unfortunately, we didn't, we didn't capitalise on that. But... Cross towards the end as well. Like yeah. Prime David Beckham channeling yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> lovely ball over the top one. Lovely, lovely little diag. So I think 
there obviously there is a player there in Chubak Palm. I think you don't go through the entire of Arsenal's academy and have a good um a good pedigree like that, but then not be a good footballer. Uh, but in terms of him making making it at Millsbury this season, probably not gonna happen. But there could be someone that might not be at Millsbury come the end of the transfer window. Um and then I want you to hold back your tears because twenty three year old Max Tavernier is linked with a move to Bournemouth for a fee around £10 million, pounds, uh, which will probably rise uh, a lot more because did reject that first bid. Um, but while they did compare Tav to Sadio Mane, of all people, in Liverpool's situation in an interview where he said Liverpool lost Mane and they weren't expecting to, the best player went and had to replace him, you just have to realise that that's football and anybody can go at any time during a window. Dana, you did get a mug with Dana Maltz, uh, not Dana, Dana Maltz's face on it, uh, Marcus Tavernier's <laughs> face on it. Uh, imagine getting a mug with your own face on it. Uh, uh, that's, uh, you got a mug with Marcus Tavernier's face on it. The Malt curse is clearly not over and it's still uh, live and well. Um, but is is Chris Wilder suggesting <laughs> that Borough could be without Tav uh, or without Dana Malt uh, by the end of August? <laughs> um, I think he's just being realistic. I mean, there is interest. There's been bids not back from Forest and Bournemouth. Um, excuse me. And, and when that's the case, I do think there comes a point where you have to look at it from a business perspective and Tav will make Borough rake in a significant fee on top of what we've already got from Jed Spencer's transfer to Tottenham. So, you know, that could be really well invested. So I do think there comes a point where you have to take the sort of sentimental glasses off, if you like, and look at it from a business perspective. But I really hope, and I said this in the Telegram chat, that the likes of Tav and Fry and even Jones, well, probably lesser, lesser Jones to an extent, but those players will, the assets of, of Middlesbrough's team will hold on for one more season because it's the first full season of Chris Wilder. And yes, I know that there's the temptation of a bump in wages there, but at the end of the day, Bournemouth are probably going to go down. Let's be honest, Scott Parker's not a great manager. I don't see where Tav fits in Bournemouth's team. I've seen so many of their fans say they don't need a midfielder. Um, he'll probably be shafted out wide to left wing back, which we've seen him play there, but it's not his best position from what we've seen last season. So um, I would hope he would stick it out one more season and then review it at the end of the campaign. But there is that temptation for Premier League football, albeit it might be a year, but it's Premier League football at the end of the end of the day, but yeah, fingers crossed he stays because he, he's a really big and important player for us. Yeah, I can't really see Bond staying in the, the Premier League this season with with Scott Parker in charge, to be honest. Um, but Dana's kind of alluded to it slightly, Tom. But how much of how much of a miss do you think Tav will will be if if he does go to Bournemouth? I think he'd be a massive miss. Um, you know, like Dan has just said, he's a very important player. And even in the Marseille game, pre-season friendly, you could see how much he was putting the shift in, how much ground he covered. And, uh, you know, I mentioned it numerous times last season, he's added like a physical part to his game since moving into centre mid, which I don't think he had too much of before. Uh, you know, when he came in as a winger, I remember, I think it was under Pulis we played Leeds and he just got absolutely bullied that game, but I couldn't see happening now um yeah he'd be be a massive miss and i don't think he's someone that we can afford to let go at the moment either um you know we're in the position where you know apparently we've got three bids in for strikers and you know these clubs won't let them go until they have someone else we have 14 players we we can't let tav go until either until there's a replacement lined up and probably you know ready to sign on the day that that he does go, so yeah, I, I don't think it's a, it's a good idea at all, and I think it's going to be a massive miss to the team. I agree, I agree. I think Tav was arguably our best player last season. Um, he he brings so much to this squad um, in terms of energy, and what I did really really like uh, on on Friday night was is not just his, his passing ability, but also his. It seems like this year that he's really getting forward into more positive positions and taking advantage of that. And I think his goal was very much deserved. And I think that'll be, that'll be the biggest improvement what we see in Tav this season is probably that, that 
that XG, that XA, the expected the expected stats to probably keep going up, but then also him actually delivering on that and we're not being overly reliant on poor strikers not to finish chances and things can get a little bit messy for him. And I think that's why people have criticised having said, well, he's not getting assists. Well, it's not his fault he's not getting assists because the strikers weren't converting the chances he was delivering. Um, but I think Tab's just been sensational uh, over like the last 12 to 18 months and hopefully he can continue that trend wherever he ends up um, in, in the summer, in the, in the end of the summer window. But I think Bomb for me, is just a sideways move, if I'm honest. Yes, Bomb might get a really good fee uh, in fair play. It was we're a business and we should re- uh, reinvest that to try and bring other players in if he, if he does go. But for me, if I was to have, like, like you were saying there, Dana, one season in the Premier League, you're under Scott Parker, who's probably going to really realistically get sacked halfway through the season if it doesn't pull his finger out. Um, and they're going to be a new manager. That new manager might not even like him as well. Um, but I think at Middlesbrough, you're, you're safe. You've got like you've got Chris Wilder, who's most likely going to be here. If he's not, the next manager will come in and probably will pick Tav anyway on merit because of his ability and his energy that he brings to a team and gets him up the pitch. But if he does score, Tom, we've complimented him already, but Riley McGree, um, could you see him taking that have position or would you like to see him in that number 10 role because it did give us a lot of fluidity on on Friday night I think he's playing the number 10 role at the moment because we don't have any strikers I don't expect to see that system used too often this season Um, I I do think there there might be some games where it is needed but I think most of the time uh, Wilder's going to want to stick with the system we had last year with the two strikers Um. I do think if Tav went, Riley McGree would be the next to take his position. And I think it's it is something that, that the club's trying to put in place now, uh, in, in terms of like, you know, pathways into the team. I think it's clear that, you know, if Tav's not playing, McGree is, and then third choice behind them is Boyd Munns, who would then move up to to number two if uh, if Tav left, you know, but, you know, as long as we don't sign a replacement. Um which you know, I think if he did, then then we would need one. Um, but yeah, I, I think if if he did leave, it would be McGree and would be going like the the pathway to the first team route. Yeah, and I think McGree is arguably a fantastic replacement. If not, he could he could he definitely probably deserves to start the season. Uh, but if it's not McGree, uh, Denmal, who would it be? Uh, who would you like to see Bora replace him with? I've gone with somebody that I've been a bit hot and cold on over well since he's been in the championship, but Han Normasengo from Bristol City. He and I'll just put the stats up here on on YouTube um, if I can. He is very similar to Tav in his metrics. Obviously, goals and assists is very different. Um, Sengo doesn't didn't score last season, Tav scored five, four assists for Tav as well, two for Masengo. But if you look at the successful attacking actions, the dribbles per 90, the offensive duels, the offensive duels won, uh, passes, accurate passes, it's all very similar. And the thing with um, Masengo and Shout out to Fev's Football Analytics, Bristol City Analytics account on Twitter for this. A little bit of insight on Masengo is he says that regarding his creative passing, Bristol City's style, which is sometimes direct, sometimes counterattack, doesn't help. Uh, I think we see the best of Masengo in a more possession-heavy side with players around him to take a pass after he's broken from his man. Uh, he wants to give the ball to a teammate, then find a new position rather than do it alone. Um and as soon as I read that, I was thinking, okay, those combinations down that left-hand side, he's a right footer, but he's comfortable on his left foot. So I think he's, um, what's that word where you're both footed? I don't know what that word is. I'm, but I'm that word. Yeah, I'm a dexterous. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Dana Martinez. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's a, he's a very clever and, and quick-minded player that can make the ball stick and dictate play as well. But he's a good footballer, a good ball carrier. Um, much like Marcus Tavernier is, and he's already a big asset for Bristol City. Uh, I think Nice and Leicester are after him, so it would be a big coup if we can get him. Um, but he is out of contract next season, next summer, so there's a, a potential option there for Borough to, to maybe bring somebody like that in. Um, but yeah, he's he is a good footballer. As I said, he sometimes failed to convince, but um, 
there's potential in there. He's only 21. So again, you mm. you talk about building an asset there. I think he would be a fantastic signing. Yeah, I think he, he signed for Bristol City in about three years ago, I think when he was like 17. I think he came from Monaco, didn't yeah. he? And, he um, did, yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I remember there was quite a lot of a little bit of quite a lot of media around around the signing because he was seemed to be the the next best thing, uh, next next best thing since sliced bread. Um, <laughs> but he, he seemed to be like a a really good talent, and he just struggled to kind of integrate himself in that Bristol City team. And I think I agree. Then like the the style of Bristol City probably doesn't help him. Um, but I think it's a really nice little find that and appreciate Tav could be. He's talent. Tav is replaceable. But in terms of in terms of that quality there with Masengo, I think yeah, that is a, a nice little fit for, for Borough. Um, if we were to bring him in, hopefully you get him for a nice fee as well. But who knows? I think Championship this season, I think it's it's very much wide open in terms of who's going to do well and who's going to do relatively quite poor. But let's do our let's move on to like our pre predictions part of the show because I know that. This season's, uh, this this year's, or this show's prediction is going to be really difficult because Borough have only got fourteen senior players before the season starts. We're waiting a number of transfers to be done. Appreciate the World Cup, the World Cup's coming uh, this year, which has made things a little bit harder in terms of things being a week earlier, and then also. We don't know where Borough will be come August. We could sign five players and they all get injured and we still be in the same position. Chris Wilder could leave if Borough don't get the transfers that they want in. Uh, you know, anything can happen. And I think it's 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 we should really stress that. And having 14 players with a week to go, it probably isn't the best preparation that Borough want and I want to be in. Um, but is it a slight concern, Tom, to see us in this position with just what six days to go before the transfer uh, before the season starts? Sorry, I'd say yes and no. Um, so I mean, from from my side of things, I'm impatient, and I just I'd rather you know we were coming into this preview pod today with all the new signings in place, ready to talk about, and I suppose it would have made the predictions a little bit easier as well. But um, we haven't. But also, when you think about it. We did have most of our signings in place last season, so much so that I had Sammy Amiobi as my pick of the season, and it just well look look how that went. Um, so <laughs> I, I think it's <laughs> sorry, I just choked on my coffee when you said that. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it it does go to show something that the borough are looking at getting the best players we can possibly get. And, you know, it, it's taken a, a little while longer to get them this season, um, which, you know, you kind of have to just accept and, you know, be, be all right with because, you know, hopefully by the end of the transfer window, we'll have all these players in and can look back at it and say, you know, what a fantastic window we've had. But, you know, the week before the season, it is concerning. But when, when you look at it, that team that's going into the first game, it's still arguably better than our first eleven last season. It's just we have no bench options, so you know if anyone gets injured or we need to make any tactical changes, we're extremely limited there. Saying that, obviously, obviously the the the, the eleven's a lot better than it was last season. He is both confident we can actually get these players over the line because historically <clears throat> Middlesbrough have struggled to get the players the one over the line and a lot's been said around it and, and not just Chris Wilder, but a number of managers at, at Middlesbrough have, 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 have kind of argued and been frustrated with the, the, the signings that we've ended up making. Appreciate this year could be different with, with Kieran Scott in, in charge of more of like the football side of things, but... Danny, are you confident we can get these players over the line? Uh, maybe not just this week, but until the end of August. I am, yeah. What Chris Wilder said is that he's waiting on a lot of deals to be done. That domino effect of the transfer window where, for example, you see I think Rodrigo Muniz is is one of Borough's targets. Fulham have to bring in a striker in order for him to, to leave um, and for Fulham to sanction that loan deal. So, yeah, I think it's probably... On, on teams to and clubs to sign players and then it'll be a case of kind of get the ball rolling with the strikers but it's obviously it's it's frustrating as a fan because we don't know we don't know the ins of things but 
from an outsider's perspective looking in, I can only assume that it is that, and you take Chris Wilder's word for it, that it is just a case of waiting for Premier League teams to sign players so that it can it can be allowed that the signings, sorry, the players that they have now can can leave on loan or leave on a permanent. So yeah, I am confident. Obviously, it's not ideal that we don't have them in right now and that the season kicks off next weekend and we still don't have the the options up front beyond Watmore and Coburn. But I'm not really worried. It's definitely something to be mindful of, but um, I'm sure it won't be that detrimental to the season to go a few games without our number one striker choice. Mm. Okay, well, I was going to ask you, really, Dan, how much of an impact do you think it'll have? Because Borough have eight games until the, the end of the transfer window. Um, how much of an impact do you think that'll have then for us trying to bring players in, get them used to the system, and then get them starting? Because I appreciate sometimes a striker or a player can, can take a full season to get used to the system. Yeah, as I said, it would have been ideal if they were in pre-season before the Portugal trip, but unfortunately it didn't happen like that I don't think it's too much of a detrimental factor it it could well be but we'll look back at that in hindsight I just think I mean you look at teams like Cardiff for example who've recruited quite well in terms of quantity but will they gel sometimes you have a situation where you bring in quite a few players and they just don't gel in in in, not in time but just they just don't gel and I don't know I feel like with Middlesbrough we will bring in the players um, and we have to remember that we're not the only club in this situation. There's other teams that need strikers. There's other teams that need wingbacks, for example. I think Preston are probably one of the teams that need wingbacks. So there's different positions for different teams that they'll probably be asking the same question. Will it have so much of an impact in the beginning quarter of the season? But I, I think we'll be fine. I'm hoping that we'll be fine. And I think we will be. Relegated. Um, but I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, Tom, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I know Dana's answered maybe one of them around confidence in terms of getting players over line. I want you. I want to see where you're at with that. But also, if if we don't get the players in, can we see like any academy players staking a claim in the sides? Um, look, we've seen it over the last couple of seasons. Isaiah Jones, Colson. Spence have all came into the sides um, and done relatively quite well. Um, but so can you see any academy players coming in at the team if we don't bring the, the 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 new players in? Well, I mean, to answer your first question, I'm I'm confident as well that we can get players over the line. I think you just need to look at who we've already signed to to show at the quality of the players that we're getting and how much players are, are actually buying into this project. Uh, you know, Lenahan, Giles, Stefan. I don't think there's another championship team who wouldn't have those in the team. I think we've done extremely well to to recruit them. And I am confident that we'll get more quality players from this window. Uh and, and maybe that's just the the difference in in you know the um approach we're taking. You can wait a while longer and get these quality players or you can get all your business done at the start and sign Sammy Amiobi. So um, <laughs> I, I think by the end of the window, we, we should have who we want in. In terms of the academy players coming through, it's it's difficult to call at the moment because they've not been given numbers, uh, quite a lot of them. I do think we'll probably see more of Boyd Munster this season. Um, he's one of the uh, the only younger players who, who has been given a number. Uh, so I, I do think we'll see more of him this season. And also I'd heard good things throughout pre-season about uh, Belongo and Kavanagh. Um, maybe a little bit too soon for, for Kavanagh, but I do think depth-wise, you know, if... if uh, we're still without Fry and McNair and, and your baller goes down with an injury, Bolong goes who we have there. So I think it's more likely that he would play out of out of the two of them. Um, and like I said, I'd heard good things. I've, I've not managed to, to see a lot of him yet, but, uh, you know, there's been kind of a lot of talking noise around them about how, how good he's played. So I would think if anyone from the academy would make a breakthrough this season, it might be him. Okay then. Well, we'll we'll soon see. Uh, come Saturday, if, if he's on the bench or, or not. But let's do predictions because this is the season preview show, and we do have predictions. They could be good. That could be absolutely terrible. We could have a 
uh, where's a Jed Spence, or we could have a where's a Sammy Yami or be and where, rest in peace, Elliot, uh, a Sam Stubbs. Um, but... <laughs> rest in peace, Elliot. <laughs> He's dead to me since he left the podcast. He's um, fine, guys. He's fine. <laughs> I know. He, he he's probably laughing like that. Trapped anyway. in a hall of mirrors, I heard. Yeah, trapped in a hall of mirrors. <laughs> I mean, no one will get that reference. Um, but, um, but we will. Uh, we we will, and we'll laugh about it. Um, but, but maybe have have a think. You know what? What are we on about? What is the hall of mirrors? Uh, what Elliot is, is trapped himself in. Um, but <laughs> let's. I don't know, look, we're going to have to probably change these in September. We'll revisit. it. We'll do a stick or twist on our transfer review show. Uh, come the end of August, um, where I'll let you change maybe one or two of the things depending on who we bring in or who leaves. Um, but the first question, um, where do you think Borough will finish? This could be a, a question that will probably, your answer may change, but right now we've got 14 players. You might not even finish top six, but um, as the season comes to a close, where do you think Borough will finish? Tom, do you want to go first? Right, at the moment, I've got sixth. I'm going to go one place. Is it one place or two places higher than last season? I can't remember where we finished. Uh, one place. Oh. So I'm I'm going one place better than last season. I, I think, as I said earlier, defensively and and in goal, we look a lot more solid now. And I think those games last season where goalkeeping errors cost us the points uh, are going to be so much lessened this season, hopefully. Um, <laughs> and you know, by having this uh, defensive structure in place, that should win us enough points to to be better than last season. I've only went for sixth though because of the depth at the moment. Um, you know, if, if we end up with an absolute plague of injuries, uh, you know that that could really suffer. Um, so I do think that would balance it out. Okay, sixth. But if we did get the players in, would you go any higher or would you... Uh, we'll, we'll have to save that for the sticker twist, see who it is. Okay, I'll leave it for the sticker twist. Dana Malt, um, the real Dana Malt. Um <laughs> <laughs> What are you going to go for? Are you gonna? What's your prediction? Where do you think Borough will finish? I'm going to go for fourth, which is bold because we're sat on two strikers at the moment um, within Coburn and Watmore. But I just feel like it's the Chris Wilder factor, really, that's taking it forward for me. And, um, yeah, I think that is with extra additions in mind. I've been flickering between that and sixth, but I think fourth. Okay, I'm going to say fifth. So we're going to have a nice little sandwich there. Mm. Um, But I'm going to say playoffs, we're going to do it. We're going to go to Wembley and beat the curse. We're going to do it. The Malt Curse TM will be broken. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, next question, next one uh, is who is going up and who is going down? Um, so your top three and your bottom three. Uh, Dana, do you want to go first on this one? Yes, my top three. Well, I actually had a top two. I didn't actually decide on who's going to win the playoffs, so they'll probably decide on the spot. Uh, Watford champions, Sheffield United second, and then my top six is actually Norwich, Borough, West Brom and Burnley, I think. Um, and I'm going to go... Oh, part of me is thinking Norwich are winning the playoffs. The other part is thinking we are. You know what? We'll go. We'll go with Borough. We'll get that redemption arc. We'll beat Norwich in the final, and all will be well with the world. And then my three to go down are um, Reading, Blackpool, Rotherham in that order. Reading, Blackpool, and Rotherham. So is that Rotherham dead last year, and then Reading yeah. third bomb? Yeah, standard. Uh, yeah, standard. Uh, Tom, top three, who's going up and who's going down? So going up, I have Watford, Norwich, and then Borough winning the playoffs because I'm, I'm going to back us again. Um, and then going down, Reading, I think it would be a massive surprise if they stayed up. Um, I was tempted to say Rotherham. But I just feel like last time they did nearly stay up and they played some some all right football towards the end of the season to to nearly save themselves. And realistically, it was because of you know Derby's uh, lack of points deduction that they did go down. So I'm going to say they stay up. Uh, I'm going to go Birmingham to go down. And as an outside chance, I'm saying Hull. 
I just think they're going to go one of two two ways this season. It's either all these players that have signed are going to gel really well and, and fire them up the league, or it's going to be like when we signed the SPL and just <laughs> absolutely sank like a brick. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Hull as my third outside chance for relegation. Okay, so is any who do you think is going to finish dead last? Do you think Redden's dead last and then... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Poor Redden fans. Um... Our heart to the Helm, Helms Royal podcast and the Tyler stand at this, at this moment in time because I'm going to say they're going to go down as well. Um, <laughs> my bottom three, I'm, I'm going to go uh, Reading, Rotherham, and Blackpool. Um, and then my top three, I'm the same as, as you, Dan. I'm, I'm going to go Watford, Sheffield United. Um, and then we're going to win the playoffs against Norwich. And LA Boston's going to run on and, and after <laughs> ping one top bins, just after the game just to have the redemption story that he always wanted um and then the next one is surprise package team of the season um disclaimer mine is not coventry this season after two consecutive seasons um i'm gonna go with someone else this year uh tom who are you gonna go for who's your surprise package team of the season i'm gonna go for swansea uh, i just think mm. you know that they did play good football last season um and I, yeah, I think with with a full preseason under the belts, I, I think they're they're going to kick on and, and be much better this season. Okay, uh, Dana. Some strike force ones you have as well, by the way. So it's a good shout. I just think defensively they're a bit sus, they're a bit leaky. Um, but building blocks there. Yeah, what the one? Hmm. Yeah, what are the one? Yeah, but we sort of spoke about what didn't we? Is a bit potential. He's potential, but uh, my pick is Bristol City I think they've got a good team and they've got a good strike force uh, Vyman, Semenyo granted Semenyo is out until the winter I think uh, but they picked up Cal Naismith from Luton, really good pick up that left sided centre back spot sorted um, and they got Kane Wilson as well uh, League 2 yeah. player of the season so I think they've recruited well they've obviously got they've, they've got good footballers like Masengo like Alex Scott um, yeah I think they've got a good blend but whether or not they will actually end up come the end of the season in a position where I'm thinking yeah they've been a surprise I'm thinking more of they'll be a surprise package at one part of the season and then they might dip but I think they've got a good team they've got a good foundation there to have a good season yeah, for a second I thought when you said Alex Scott, I thought of like the the, the presenter for England International. So, uh, me too. Yeah, I was like, I was like, wow, when was it? When did she sign for? Uh, <laughs> um, amazing if she did. Um, but yeah, it's a good, it's a good one. I didn't, I didn't think of Bristol City at all. To be honest, they weren't even in my my reckoning of, of teams to to be a surprise package. I've went with two. I'm I'm, I'm struggling with two of these because. I want to go with Preston, but I feel like they just lack a bit of depth. And if they have the depth, that they'll think they'll do really well. But if they don't, I'm going to go Wigan. Um, Liam Richardson did a really good job there last year, um, especially with like all the financial problems that they had over like the last two years and the way that they're coming back now. Um, I think they could be in a really good place, and I'm hoping that they, they do quite well. I don't think they'll be like a, a top six or anything like that. I think it's going to be a probably a tenth to. 13th but I think it's going to be a, a surprise because they've just came up and they're going to be very comfortable um, in the division this season now that I've probably said that they'll probably finish 24th on like the <laughs> most, our lowest points ever um, but that's the that's the part, that's the part of the, the Dana Malt curse you know um, uh, the next question is Borough Young Player of the Year now look like I said, that we've got 14 players right now. This could change, and we could do the stick or twist in a couple of weeks. Um, well, we, you know, let's just do a show called Stick or Twist, and uh, we'll just go through these again. Um, and then play blackjack. Then play blackjack. Yeah. <laughs> or just go all in, Tom. Just go all in. Um, again, another reference that no one would even understand, apart from me and Tom. Um, but and me. And, oh yeah, you, oh, no, you would know. Yeah, actually, yeah, you did know. Yeah, because we spoke about. Told time. me in the bloody car. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I was just I was thinking. I was like, oh yeah. Um, young player of the uh, dinner. Who would you want to go for? Yeah, there's not a lot of options here, really. Is that I've gone for Ryan Giles because I think he's going to have a good season. I'm really, really excited about Giles. He's literally the perfect signing for us. If we could 
create a player that is literally the definition of perfection, it would be Ryan Giles. An outlet on the left, great delivery, great set piece, a young player, available, perfect signing, really, really good. Gorgeous, people. you know, six yeah. pack. <laughs> take all take all your family. Stop yeah, saying this, exactly. you'll end up on Love Island. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. You so are a liar. <laughs> you are a but, liar. Um, <laughs> we have to get that in somewhere. But yeah, Ryan Giles. <laughs> Ryan Giles, okay. Um so I'm assuming Ryan Giles has taken the Tab Shrine. Um where if, oh, if no, Tav no, it, Tav hasn't even taken the Dyke Steel Shrine yet. Yeah, fair enough. No, fair enough. Um, it's like don't don't fall in love with a lone player is going to be that Ryan Giles. Mm. It's going to be Ryan Giles' yeah. season, isn't it? Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> Tom, who's going to be a young player of the year? Uh, I've gone for Isaiah Jones. Um, just I think he's going to really kick on this season. I think he did struggle a bit towards the end when. You know, we were so unbalanced. Everyone always knew it was going through him and they were like doubling and tripling up on him and stuff. Uh, I just think now with a, a much more balanced team and it's clear that, you know, we've been working on this uh, like one-touch football and stuff, I think he's going to get, you know, released into space quite a lot more uh, and, and being able to to replicate the form from, you know, the first half of last season. Yep. Uh, it is nice to see that we've addressed that kind of like uh, that slow build-up play at times because it will completely take away that low block uh, from from other teams and try and take them out. But I agree. Uh, I'm going with Isaiah Jones as well. I can't believe that we found out that Ryan Giles is younger than Isaiah Jones uh, earlier. Then. That was kind of a bit of a mind mind blown moment. Um, but yeah, I think I think Jones is like the natural pick for that. But then let's go on to Bora Player of the Year. Look, and again, this is quite a difficult one. But right now, where are we at with it? Um, Tom, do you want to take this one first? Uh, it feels like I've not stopped talking about him this pod, but Daryl Lenahan, I just think he's going to be massively important to us. Um, like I said earlier, in terms of his organisational skills and and leadership in defence, it's it's good that we've got him there as well as you know. I mean, Housen's still going to be captain, and there's a certain amount of influence he has. But I do feel like this is something we've been missing from defence for for quite a while uh, and, and you can see the effect he has uh, and, and like I said earlier, you're so comfortable on the ball and being able to, to play it out from the back so yeah, I, I think he's going to be one of our most important players this season Okay, uh, Lenahan for you uh, <clears throat> Dana, do you have one? I do, I agree with Tom I think Lenahan, it will I mean, <laughs> We'll obviously revisit this, won't we? Because I feel like the player of the season might be a forward. But right now, I think Lenahan will definitely be in contention for that. Um, and yeah, as I said at the top of the show, a really good pickup. And on a free as well, that could be that could end up being really fantastic business. There's good signs already. So yeah, um, Lenahan, player of the season pick for me so far. Okay, I want to go with... Pick. <laughs> that yeah. made it sound like I was doing like a review there. <laughs> prediction you, you look at the build future the already now. yeah build the, build the statue <laughs> next to the chip fan on, <laughs> on the cars <laughs> um, mine is going to be Riley McGree I think he's going to have a fantastic season this year um, everything that we spoke about earlier just I think he's just a wonderful wonderful talent and he's been a really good pickup as well what was like 350k was it I think we picked him up for from Birmingham was it was it something as low as that and... No, it's from that M- MLS team. Um, Charlotte, yeah, sorry, Charlotte. Yeah, but even we losing four 0 at halftime last night. I saw. Against... Fantastic. Can't remember who the team before was. Before Alfred McGree. Exactly. Yeah, before Alfred McGree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Serves I them right. Gonna... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think he's gonna have a fantastic season. Personally, wonderful, wonderful footballer. Um, massively under underrated, probably by fans. I think at the minute, like the quality that he brings is just. Just, whew, it's very good, very good. Um, very excited for him this season. Um, bold predictions, then uh, could be anything. Uh, Tom, what's going to be your bold uh, prediction this season? I've I've got a good one for this this season. We finally become a threat from corners and live up to our set piece specialist uh, <laughs> reputation that we have on Sky. I just, I, I think you can see the. Um, 
the the quality of delivery has has increased now with uh, with Giles taking them. Uh, see, we we didn't see at the the Marseille game any kind of. Uh, chances from them but I do think that's uh, a little bit hard when you look at the size of their defensive line um but I, I do think we're going to to finally get a few uh quite a few uh, goals off corners this season okay then uh for my ball prediction um oh, I'm gonna go oh god that's oh god I can't think of it now uh, I'm trying to think of um <laughs> I think Tom's is such a good one. Like I think like live up to the set piece team. Um actually mine is I think I think Lenahan will outscore Duncan Watmore this season. It's my bold prediction. Um Ciao. from all from all the set pieces that we're gonna be getting uh, and being good at this season. Uh <clears throat> Dana, what's your bold prediction? I've gone for that a Borough striker will reach 15 goals. But not 20, though. Not, not the Bernie Slaver no, record. I'm not, no. no, I'm not I'm not stretching it. I can't stre- I can't bring myself to stretch it that far. Okay. Uh, Bernie Slaver lives for another season. Uh, the record lives. Um, and the, the final question of our, our predictions and previews then is if you could ask one question about Borough that will find its answer at the end of the season, what will it be? Dana, do you want to go first? I've gone for, have we become more of a balanced team when it comes to attacking down the right and attacking down the left? Basically, have we got an outlet on the left, is my question. Okay, have we got an outlet? On the left, uh, Tom, where are you going to go? And will we add the depth we need to get up to a 23 slash 24 man squad by the end of the window? And if we don't manage to, will the, the squad last a, a full season? Because I think it's it's been reported that the fitness levels are better this season. Um, and and it certainly looked it on uh, on on Friday night. You know the amount of running that Matt Crooks did. I mean, you you look at like him out outpacing some of the Marseille players, and like he couldn't do that last season. Like this is clearly something <laughs> we focused on. So is our our fitness going to carry us through if we don't get the depth? Mm, that's a good one. I think yeah, they're, they're like a depth of the concern, isn't it? Um, I think mine would probably be. Will we last the full season in terms of level of consistency um, and performances? Because I think last year we we tired out so much um, towards the back end of the season. Maybe that's because of the preparation wasn't right at the start of the season. Maybe we were working too hard uh, off off the pitch to try and get these players up to speed. So I'm really intrigued to see if we last like physically um, until the end of the season. And I think the answer would be the last 10 games, what do our results look like? Um, do we burn out or do we remain consistent and get to the position where we want to get to? Um, but that's it, guys. Thank you very much uh, for joining me, as always. Um, and that the season preview is done and dusted, and the season is around the corner in six days. But I think we'll be back um, later this week where we're going to discuss uh, Borough's game against the Baggies at the Riverside. But for now, this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast, and that was like a boring match day chatter in a pod.